0: You know, the people who make Friday the 13th movies, they've got integrity. They made the exact same movie eight times. You know, these Halloween jerkolas, they went Hollywood on it.
1: You know, they got stoked up on cocaine or something, (laughs) forgot
0: their roots.
1: And get this, the flick is not even in Haddonfield, Illinois, where it belongs. It's in some wimp jerkola town in California. Can you believe that? Excuse me while I take a moment to be appalled.
0: No it isn't. Nothing is good about Return of the Jedi.
1: Radio Drome. Welcome to another episode of Radio Drome. I am Josh Hadley. Cecil and Peter are out this week, or I should say Cecil's out this week. Peter, I think, overslept because he's just not here. So filling in for him, who was going to be our third, Fred Fritz is sitting in this week. Hello. Hello, everybody. But but before we get into the topic, you know I got to do the pitch. Go to adamandeve.com, use the promo code DROME, D-R-O-M-E, and you will get 50% off of a single item, three free DVDs, a free sex swing, and free US shipping. Just use the promo code DROME at adamandeve.com. I can almost do that by muscle memory at this point. <laughs> But tonight I wanted to talk about, this is something we touched on last week, even though you weren't on that episode. When franchises go on for a while, you have two options when it comes to a long-running franchise. Either you ballpark, just rinse repeat over and over and over again, or you try to do something really different. In a strange way, isn't it, that neither of those tends to work for fans? I I mean, you're old enough, Fred. I know you remember back when, like, Halloween 3 came out. Everyone said, oh, how dare you break from the formula? How dare you try something different? And then at the Mm -hmm. same time, the Friday the 13th franchise, in that same era, was constantly being accused of, they make the same movie every year with a different cast. If you don't change, you're wrong. If you do try and do something different, whether it works or not is debatable, you're wrong. What is the mindset in a franchise like this? Because part of the audience seems to want the same movie over and over and over again, and part of it's part of the audience says, "I want you to change it. No matter what you do, you're pissing off part of the audience, aren't you?"
2: Yeah. Well, this is almost like there's two pathways to this because we've talked about, and I won't go too in length on this. It's it's going back to the concept of the elasticity of a story when you're talking about sequels. Some films simply do not have the elasticity to have sequels. There's just not enough story. It's one and done. That's all you ever needed. So it's never a shock when you see a sequel. It's not very good. And that's where it falls into what you're talking about. Do we do something completely different or do we just repeat the formula and or what will become the formula? There is no formula. They just repeat the first film. In Halloween 3's case, Halloween 3 is a really good movie. I've always liked Halloween 3 and you're absolutely right, back in the 1980s, people don't realize just how hated that movie was. It was vitriol towards that film. I'm talking about some of the most die-hard horror fans I knew hated it. And the funny thing is, is it's not like they took the Michael Myers character and ruined him. You know what I mean? Like we've seen other films do.
1: And the later uh, films in this very franchise would do.
2: Exactly. It was a completely fresh, original story, just using the Halloween moniker. People hated it. They despised it. And Friday the 13th almost proved exactly what studio executives were saying. If you just do the same thing over and over and over. And mind you, Friday the 13th did have change in it. But it was still the basic same premise. Young people, killer comes in, knocks them off one by one, you have final girl. That's essentially what it was. And it worked because that's what audiences wanted. Didn't stop them from bitching, but that's what apparently they wanted.
1: Friday the 13th really didn't try to break from formula until way later, and I do want to discuss Jason Goes to Hell in a little bit. But for Halloween 3, now originally that wasn't the title. It was complicated history, which, you know the short version, when Nigel Neal pitched this to John Carpenter and that it was supposed to be the Halloween 3 were the three masks. They were the Halloween 3. This was less about being the third movie in the Halloween franchise as the Halloween 3 were part of the story. The original title being Season of the Witch. As you pointed out, people today, you you read about how much people hated Halloween 3 when it came out. Do you think if Halloween 3 had been released without the Halloween title and just as a standalone movie, Season of the Witch. Do you think that hatred in 1983 would have still been there? Not the hatred. We can't,
2: obviously, we can't go back in time and say the film would have been a hit. I still don't think that audiences were ready for the film overall. Would the, would the hatred have been there, though? No, I don't believe it would have. It, would the audience have been there? And that's the real key here. They used the Halloween moniker to get butts in the seats. They did that at first, but word spread very quickly, that this was not a Michael Myers story. We've got to point out, I think, also that this was the beginning of the formulaic era. There really was no formula. This is when it was beginning. This is when they were figuring out that people wanted pretty much just the same thing. Look at, you know, Freddy's Revenge. uh Was it Freddy? Yeah. What's... No, what's Nightmare on Elm Street 2 called? I always forget. Freddy's Revenge. It is Freddy's Revenge. Okay, I'm thinking of Freddy's Dead. That's it. I'm getting him confused. All right. Basically, if you look at that, that was a pretty big deviation from the way the first film was. And people didn't care for it that much. So Nightmare on Elm Street 3 is a return to that. And I think we saw a lot of that in that time period. Friday the 13th Part 1, you don't see the killer. And you don't even see the person that is the killer till the end of the film. Again, there is no formula. Part 2, there was no hockey mask yet. It was just Jason and everybody thought this was ridiculous, including Tom Savini, which is why Tom Savini didn't come back. He's like, why would Jason be alive? Part three is when we got the Jason we all kind of know. So this was all new. This was new for producers. This was new for audiences. It was the beginning of this whole franchised mentality in horror. I'm not saying it didn't exist. Dirty Harry had been going on since 71. James Bond before that. But it was the beginning for these type of movies. I honestly just think they didn't know what they were doing.
1: Which is a fair point. But at the same time, while you're making up the rules, shouldn't you be making up good rules? Like with Friday the 13th, you have have Friday the 13th, which was a pretty closed off standalone story. And then I I find the titling of the sequel very interesting. Friday the 13th Part 2 means to me they weren't making this is another story. It's this is the same story now being expanded upon. The fact that it's part two, and I believe that's the only one in these types of franchises, because I don't think the Nightmare on Elm Street movies used part. You know, I think they were just like Nightmare on Elm Street 3, not Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3. Just the word part implies continuation. I, I, I'm i not sure if like Friday the 13th Part 2, well, I, I am sure that it was unnecessary. It doesn't seem like they cared about continuing the story. They just said, get another one of these out quick. Well, pretty much, because the director
2: of part six even pointed this out, that when he analyzed it, he wasn't interested in doing it until he realized there was no rules. They hadn't set any parameters. All movie monsters have rules. They can only exist within a certain parameter. So that's why part six, he introduced the concept of, oh, if you put him back in the lake, he's harmless to some degree. And they actually did set up a few monster rules to this whole thing all the way to part six before they even tried.
1: Well, then what about with, and we'll come back to Friday the 13th because there's no way I'm leaving uh, Marcus off of this. But (laughs) what about, you brought up Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2, Freddy's Revenge. In retrospect, I think Freddy's Revenge is a great movie. I remember. I was angry when that movie came out because of just how on Nightmare on Elm Street it was. I mean, yes, nowadays I see it's more cerebral, there's subtlety, there's things like that there, but at the time that in a way, it was a very poor sequel to the first film, wasn't it? Oh, definitely well, we wanted answers we we wanted answers to what
2: that ending of part one meant again there there was no franchise. It's hard for us to, to kind of take people's brains out, you know, and put it back in the 1980s mentality because this didn't exist. There there wasn't a Freddy Krueger this large icon. There was just this first movie. It had this wild ending, and we were hoping for some semblance of uh, of, uh, of cohesion to make it make some sense. And part two just muddied the waters even more.
1: But then, strangely enough... Isn't it funny how they they do introduce something in part two, which I I guess for the sake of the franchise is thankfully ignored later, where Freddy attacks the party. He just becomes a slasher. He doesn't need the dreams or anything anymore. In a way, I'm glad that they went, no, 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 that was stupid. We're we're not going back to that.
2: Well, they were playing off of
1: what would been introduced in part one,
2: that she draws Freddy into the real world, someone... In their lack of infinite wisdom, thought that would be a cool idea for part two to have Freddy return. And it, again, it muddied the waters. It wasn't very clear. You know, why would Freddy, who's infinitely more powerful in the dream world, want to become physical where, where he obviously was weaker? In the first film. So it just, it just didn't work. And I think it's because they, you know, Wes Craven wasn't there. He wasn't there to guide them with any sense of mythology. I'm not saying Wes was perfect. He wasn't, but this was a pretty far deviation from what he had originally created.
1: But then you also have later on down the line, probably the biggest complaint of a franchise change for Nightmare on Elm Street, at least is part three started to introduce the more jokey, one-linery, Freddy Krueger, even in a way and I'm pretty sure this was intentional at the time, look at the color schemes of Dream Warriors. It's very much more comic booky, lots of primary colors, lots of solid colors and solid lighting. It's very much more comic booky, and that's one of the biggest complaints I have about the Nightmare on Elm Street as a franchise. It left its horror roots behind after part 3. By by the time they get to part 6, there's almost no horror. It's all gags.
2: Well, the look of three is obviously attributed more to director Chuck Russell. He has a more comic book aesthetic. If you look at his version of The Blob, you can very much see that they're the same director. And I think again, this comes to that there was no overall vision. Like today, people know the Marvel verse and there is somewhat of an overall vision. To me, the weird thing is, is that sort of made it very bland. I think looking back, the most interesting thing about Nightmare on the Street, the earlier films, is how different each vision is. Like you said, you went back to part two, you saw the subtlety, you saw the nuance. You're like, hey, this is actually, it stands out, and that's what makes it kind of interesting. There was a TV show, I think we brought it up, a Millennium, where it was a, a great show with Lance Henriksen. And the funny thing is, is when I watched the show at the time, I hated that every season felt so different than the previous season. Now I look back, and it's kind of interesting because each season's like telling the same basic story but from a completely unique point of view it's it's sort of fascinating and i think that the way the sequels worked were the same way they were almost more interesting because they had different visions but you're right Freddy Krueger became less scary. He wasn't interesting anymore. He had become this sort of, I don't know, uh like the dancing fool of, you know, the court jester
1: of horror. He made a Nintendo and, Power Glove joke in Part 6. Yeah, well, Part
2: 6, obviously, they were off the map by that point. They had completely left behind anything that made Krueger relevant or interesting. He was in the pop culture. He was doing commercials. He guest hosted MTV. Uh We had definitely, again, there was no roadmap. Little roadmap there was, they went clearly, clearly off. And I think, oddly enough, even though part three introduced the jokey Freddy, I think part four was the one that set the tone that would really destroy it all. Because Par 4 was huge. It made so much money. They were like, oh, this is what people want. And I think it unfortunately
1: put the writing on the wall. And as we're speaking about sleeping and dreaming, somebody just woke up and decided to join us. (laughs) Hello, Peter. Hey. Yes, Peter is here. He just woke up. You get some coffee hooked up intravenously.
0: I don't even drink coffee.
1: We're talking about the Nightmare on Elm Street movies, how they're kind of rinse repeat and then become jokes what perfectly illustrates how scared new line was to do anything different with nightmare on elm street was peter jackson peter jackson pitched them an idea for nightmare on elm street part five before they went with the whole dream child thing that was unique that was truly doing something different with this franchise and new line was scared of it peter jackson's idea freddie is but has become powerless. That in the dream world, nobody's afraid of him anymore after his defeats in Part Four and Three and stuff like that. And that he's become a joke and he's become the punching bag. You know, he keeps trying to intimidate kids into in dreams, and he's the one who's getting beaten up. And then, due to a fluke accident, he accidentally kills one of the kids accidentally in his dream, in their dream, and that starts to give him his power back. But the kids still think he's harmless. Freddy is sort of. The the, the the villain that we're building to again, and New Line was like, no, no no no, that's way too different. Let's just do the same thing over again.
0: Yeah, that would have been way better because Dream Child is, I think, arguably the worst one in the whole franchise.
1: Well, then you haven't seen Freddy's Dead.
0: I have seen Freddy's Dead. It's at least entertaining. I would say the worst one is Wes Craven's New Nightmare. Oh, but easily I think out of the out of the original ones, five is. By far the fucking worst one. I, I think they, they really would have owed it to themselves to try out that new idea because that actually would have been pretty interesting. As you said, it would be building up to him as a, as a villain again instead of literally just doing something that felt like a, I don't know, five had some interesting ideas, but it was stupid.
2: Well, again, by this point, sure. Why not? We were already going down a rabbit hole. I don't know if the idea itself is, quite frankly, all that great. It seems like a lot of writers always want to take a great character and make them weak. I don't know if audiences would have liked watching Down and Out Freddy. To be honest, it would have been at least imaginative. I'm also of the opinion Freddy's Dead is one of the worst, but I can't disagree. Five is kind of a dreary experience. This would have been way better, but I'm not sure it was still the right direction. I, I think one of the things about Freddy that makes him unique is that he's in a dream world. They're still doing Elm Street. They're still doing kids. I I said this before on the show, so, but I'll say it here since we're talking about it again. Why couldn't Freddy Krueger, like, why couldn't it be, say, on Wall Street? These guys are all having nightmares, and you could use the concept of over-capitalism and nightmares. There could have been some really great things. Why can't Freddy Krueger attack someone in Japan or an Inuit or whatever? Well, they Freddy tried
0: Kruger that with Jason. They took him to New York, and we saw how that went.
2: Yeah, but this is different than Jason. Jason is a physical being. I'm talking about nightmares. Nightmares are, are so... You know, think of the 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 Jungian concepts, the Freudian concepts. Think of all the different things Freddy Krueger could symbolize for many different people. And well, isn't that
0: what say, five was, or maybe it was maybe it was six or five? Which which one had every town is, has an Elm Street? Six. That was six. So well, I that guess was six just was- a line. I guess Six was kind of trying to say that, that he was trying to branch out to other places.
2: But do you understand what I'm saying? I'm not talking about yeah. other places in and in of itself. I'm talking about rep- – look, part two, as you well know, you did a, a wonderful episode on it, mm. w- covered the idea – that there was repression in this boy. Maybe it was homosexual. Maybe not. It was never answered, but Freddy Krueger comes out of that repression. Why couldn't it be a bad marriage? Why couldn't it be greed? Why couldn't mm. it be all these different things? And Freddy Krueger comes out of that.
0: That's never well, like I feel like to. two tackled things that definitely none of the other sequels tried to, like this whole idea of possession and using somebody else's own angst to uh, feed him uh, more power Um, I think that would have been interesting to use in other sequels for sure
2: well three even tap dances on it a little bit you have the character she's a drug user that's what Freddy uses against her and so on and so forth I I think you could have expanded on this you could have taken it further I was just saying the idea of dreams is everybody dreams I'm talking about the common thread that binds all humanity together and
1: they could have done so much more with it and technically they did the TV series as bad as it is Freddy's nightmares did explore a lot of these things they did deal fred with stockbrokers and television executives and bounty hunters and they did do teenagers but they did a lot of adults too a garbage man with a bad marriage was the focus of one episode and things like that in a weird way it took the tv show that nobody watched for them to actually try something different but the multi-million dollar franchise they had to play safe with is that <laughs> the is that the weird way to go about it
2: well it again that's they were as we stated they were already they were developing a formula they didn't have a formula they were developing a formula and they stuck with it hell or high water and that's what produced uh, uh, diminishing returns
1: but then what happens when a franchise goes on so long and this has happened more than once so i, I don't i don't know if i want to say it's inevitable that it has to leave its roots behind like The Child's Play movies, or some people know them as the Chucky movies, even though the first three are called Child's Play. The first three movies, when they were called Child's Play, were basically horror films. Okay, they were goofy, they had some jokes, but they were slasher films. They were horror films. Once Chucky took over the title, they became straight comedies. Those last three or four movies were straight comedy. How do you reconcile the Chucky movies with the Child's Play movies as really even being part of the same franchise. Because I know younger people who grew up, you know, as the Chucky movies were newer, and they went back and watched the Child's Play movies, and they're like, these are totally different movies. The expression familiarity breeds contempt
2: is really kind of crucial here with all these characters Jason Freddy all of them my gosh look at Hellraiser look how far that's fallen down the hole the simple fact of the matter is, is once we become more familiar with a monster they they cease to be scary that goes back to what I said at the very beginning the elasticity of a story you can only go so far with a story before it naturally just wants to end when people begin to go ah, I'd really like this to be over you see this in TV series all the time when they go beyond the season it should have ended like even a show like Breaking Bad as good as it was as well received as it was it should have probably ended one season earlier with the Gus Freeling storyline I think this is the case with all stories all characters eventually you hit the wall and you have to reboot them or just End it. Just flat out end it. Spider-Man was a great example in comic books. People always ask, why did we get the deal with the devil uh story of One More Day? Why did we get the clone saga? Because they ran out, man. A writer can only do so many variations of any character, of any story, before you either just flat out end it or hit the reboot button and restylize it. That's what happened with Chucky, clearly. You can only do a, a killer doll is a pretty silly thing. It's an amazing thing if you can make it scary, if you can make it interesting. Think of the clown in the original Poltergeist. That scene was scary. Now imagine a series dedicated to just the clown. Eventually, you're going to hit the wall, and that's what they did. They became self-parody, so they were like, well, why don't we just parody ourselves?
0: Yeah, I pretty much agree with that. I mean, the first two movies, in my opinion, are they're solid in terms of their uh, representation of what they want to do with this whole killer doll thing. I mean, the whole point of the first one and the second one is that Chucky... And just the, the doll is kind of a temporary thing and he's trying to find something before he gets trapped in the doll permanently. And it's, it's an interesting idea because the doll begins to bleed the way a human does and begins to develop into this like very human like body. He starts getting skin. Like there's, there's scenes of the end of the second one in the toy factory where he gets his hand ripped off and he's actually like bleeding and you can see meat and everything creepy at the end of the first movie he's trying to he's trying to take the body of the of the child that's been playing with the the chucky doll and there's those creepy moments where the doll gets all burned and he's all like gross and singed and stuff like there there were some great ideas there and then it just turned into this whole well old chucky is the franchise now now he, brad dorff is just playing chucky all the time he doesn't care what what body he's going to get because he just accepts that he's chucky now and he's having he's having kids as this chucky thing with the whole uh i think it's the is it the, the tina doll i'm trying to remember What's the, the bride of chucky chick yeah i
2: can't remember her name it's jennifer tilly yeah,
0: it's, it's That's been a while since i've seen the, the later yeah, sequels answer. but but yeah absolutely it just it's almost different than freddie because at least freddie's stuck with the whole idea that the nightmare on Elm Street be stuck with the idea that you're tormenting people in their, in their dreams, and you're trying to introduce other characters, like a like a sister, and you're, you're gonna go for sort of more of a. Tongue in cheek based in semi-reality thing, like with, like with Wes Craven's New Nightmare, even though that one fell kind of flat. Whereas Child's Play literally did start as something different and started as more of like a possession black magic kind of thing. And the guy, the guy was desperately trying to cheat death by saying this spell so he can end up in some other body or some other form. And he happened Mm -hmm. to end up in a fucking doll, which would suck. So he's trying to find a new body and he finds a kid and he's going to start life all over in this, in this child's body, which, which is a pretty creepy idea. And then you can see he just turned into like the doll itself, the Chucky thing, turned into a vehicle for the film. For the films, which, which is why you can see why it went from being a slasher movie with some genuine horror elements to just r- ridiculous stuff with this, uh, talking, talking puppet toy thing that goes around killing people. And now it's got kids of its own with another doll. And it's like, it's stupid. You
1: get to a certain point in a franchise where the contempt starts to work its way in. Like Jason goes to hell. Adam Marcus is very clear. On the documentaries and things like that that he's talked about that he made Jason Goes to Hell to tell Friday the 13th fans, you suck, here's why you suck. He seems almost contemptuous of people who hate his movie, which is an off probably the worst film in the whole franchise.
0: It easily is. It's easily the worst one.
1: He seems to be angry at people for, I tried to do something truly different with this franchise and you hated it. So is... Is there a difference with, like, goes to hell? Because Marcus was trying to do something different, but just doing something different doesn't make it good. His different was both, the only word I can keep using is contemptuous of the past fans, at the same time that his different was dumb as fuck. So is that, like, Fred, earlier you and I talked about how Halloween 3 and Friday the 13th, they tried to do something different. They both weren't stupid and angry at the previous films, though. We're, you know, do you see the difference there? Well, of course, because
2: this is the argument a lot of people will make when they, when they try to defend a film like that. They'll say, it was different, it was different, had different characters, blah, blah, blah. There was, uh, some people that, and, and they're right, there's a couple of interesting characters. For instance, I think the character's name is Clayton Duke. Clayton
0: oh, Duke. Oh, he was cool. And yes. Clayton
2: is a really cool character, because you had a good actor, it was an interesting idea, but here's the rub, okay? Here's the rub, and I've told Josh this a million times. Let's, well, let me complete my first thought, and then I'll go into the second thought. The first thought is that just because because something's different, A, it doesn't mean it's good, because you still have to it's, it's all in its execution. Is the different thing that you're telling interesting? Is it good? Halloween 3 was good. It's interesting. It's compelling. It holds up over time. Unfortunately... It also
0: isn't meant to fit in with uh, Michael Myers at all. It's meant to it's be a standalone exactly, thing.
2: Yes, and it doesn't compare itself to what came before.
0: Mm-hmm. This
2: guy obviously had contention. This guy obviously did want to give a middle finger. So right away, there you go. When you start with that mentality not unlike say the recent ghostbusters when you start with the mentality of up theirs to hell with them and you're talking about people that built your franchise you're talking about the people who love what you're creating Mm -hmm. and you're saying f you and you can go to hell which is i think maybe what the title was really saying basically that's a horrible place to start that's a you can't win because I, I don't know what to say. I don't know what the wording I want is, but essentially it's, it's a bitter dark place to begin how could anything good come from that i know like paul feig likes to say oh it was the internet boys that destroyed ghostbusters but when you look at that film script you clearly see and feig has said he hates guys he doesn't like guys he's never liked guys he's never agreed with guys and you can clearly see it in the film itself there's all this contempt for ghostbusters for the fans and also for men who yes are primarily the demographic you know for ghostbusters So how could it succeed? Therefore, I say the same thing about Jason Goes to Hell. The second point about Clayton Duke is, I've said for years, the worst thing that a bad movie could have is a good moment, a good idea. Because if it does... You can make a better movie in your head. You can construct a better film. How much better would
0: Jason Goes to Hell would have been if, like, Jason succeeded in that opening scene, like, got away, killed that woman, took out that uh, firing squad or whatever, and then we Mm -hmm. just had a movie. Creighton Duke shows up and he's like, I've been hunting Jason for such and such years and it's about time I stepped in to help you guys out or something like that, something to where it's – a physical embodiment of Jason, and it's almost like an "In Search of Bigfoot" thing, but a slasher version. Like even that would have been better. Oh, definitely, definitely.
2: And I mean, obviously, you know, we're, we're creating from nothing. It's it's the problem with a lot of these. And uh, to continue my thought about the new Ghostbusters, there's a moment in Ghostbusters, the new one, where Kristen Wiig's character talks about when she was a little girl, there was a ghost that kept appearing at the bottom of her bed it terrified her it traumatized her followed her whole life because no one believed her she had to go to psychotherapists her parents thought our daughter is crazy think about what she explains if that was the opening of the new Ghostbusters.
0: Mm-hmm. This
2: little girl traumatized by a ghost. Nobody believes her. She's hooked up to wires. People think she's crazy. At the end of the day, they put her to bed and she looks down and the ghost rises up again. Yeah. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. See what I mean? Right away, one good moment shows you you could have made a better movie. Your same cast, you could even had your same director, but you had a better story that was aimed at actually telling a story about what it was about, not with some weird, I don't even want to say agenda. I don't know what they were doing with that one. But it did seem contemptuous, and I think Jason Goes to Hell is exactly that. I think it's the perfect representation. Peter just came up with a better synopsis than that entire film.
0: Oh, that guy's a douchebag. I mean, I I agree with everything that, uh, Fred has said. And that movie has always been a mess. Every time I try to watch it, I try to find something in it that I like. I want to give it a chance because there are elements of it that I like, but I've, I've realized over time, the only thing I like is that Creighton Duke character and the one little opening stalking scene before jason gets shot to shit and then as soon as it turns into that plot about body jumping it's like no i I don't care that they've added in the necronomicon or that they're trying to tie it in with other franchises and with freddy and with uh evil dead and all this stuff at the end of the day it's a piece of shit sequel made by a piece of shit guy who doesn't even like the the fan base of the franchise he's making a sequel for so screw that movie
1: but then I guess the larger question, and this will lead into talking about the Last Jedi, because yes, we have to, is why would New Line have done this? Why would New Line have given Marcus the reins? And remember, this one, Sean Cunningham was hands-on with. Why would Sean Cunningham have allowed Jason Goes to Hell to happen? Because you would think studio involvement, they would kind of go, wait a minute, wait a minute. There's no way this is going to work relatively early on. Why do you think Marcus and, to a lesser degree, Cunningham said, now is the time? to piss off all Friday the 13th fans. What, what what do you think was was the was the was the trigger point for that? Cuz there had to be a reason to go, okay, we just got the franchise back from Paramount. Let's piss on everything. We actually know the answer to this
2: because Sean Cunningham has been very
0: forthcoming about it.
2: He hated Jason. He has always hated Jason. He's always said he hated Jason. He
0: never Yeah, he never wanted a sequel to the first one, I don't think. He wanted it to end from there.
2: Yeah, or do something else. Uh, yeah. I think his, I think he said like Halloween three, he was thinking of like an anthology kind of idea. It was just this one or, but they would all be like campfire stories you yeah. know the guy with the hook and you know that old stuff uh, something from the lake blah 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 and he never wanted it to go in the direction that it went so when he got the franchise back he did exactly what he wanted to do which was to crap all over the legacy that had been built up take it in a new direction apparently uh,
0: which we is weird it's a it. legacy that's been lining his pocket for years
2: well and what's even weirder is they were building towards freddie versus jason at this time even yeah so it's that's the part that's more perplexing to me.
1: I, I would say, but also you got to look at what came after. So when this one didn't work, crapping all over the fans, and again Sean Cunningham being hands on, they went and made another Jason movie. I mean, even though Jason X did did do something different, and I think you know the fact that they actually tried to make it sort of satirical makes Jason X work.
0: You'd well, think, it's a lot more like a typical Friday the Thirteenth sequel for sure. I mean, it's yeah, just a settings in, in change. Space.
1: So, but, but I mean, you know, immediately then, well, this didn't work. Well, we'll go just go back to Jason then. If he hated Jason that much, do you think he d- he did just just like you guys pointed out? He saw no, this thing's lying in my pockets. We really got to go back to Jason.
0: Yeah, I'd say that's yeah. exactly why he did it.
1: That's a clear answer, yes. Okay, well then, what about the elephant in the room, which is The Last Jedi? Cause Ryan Johnson, I mean, even if, even if interviews and whatnot with him did not make it totally clear he hates Star Wars and Star Wars fans as I much as he claims he to love it. The whole movie is about stop being fans of the previous films. Like, you know, like there's all these lines in there about let the past die, you know, we're a new regime. The the whole point of Last Jedi from Johnson's perspective is all those other movies are done. You're stupid for having liked them. And now
0: we're moving on with this. I don't necessarily agree. I mean, I know there are, there, it's pretty divided between people who liked The Last Jedi, people who didn't. I didn't mind it. I enjoyed it. I don't I necessarily it. think the, the film was trying to say, let the past die, but it is kind of time to start moving on with new characters. I mean, how long ago was A New Hope? Like, like, think about that. It's been like 40 years and this is just Star Wars attempting to continue. This is a, just a giant mega franchise and there's, there's always room for, for other characters and other stories to be interjected. I mean, I'm, I'm I'm liking these uh, new ones definitely more than the prequels that's for sure. I don't necessarily think this guy hates Star Wars or his fans. I think he loves it, but I also think he wants to tell new stories. I mean even in the original films we had, you know, Obi-Wan Kenobi who was apparently this this veteran from the Clone Wars. He he died in his first film. We eventually killed off Yoda, you know, we eventually killed off Darth Vader and these were things from the original franchise. It's like maybe it's time to start killing off some right, of the right, other right. characters too, you know. Han Solo has, has run his, his, um, he's run his time. You know, Luke Skywalker is was, was probably coming very, very close for him to die anyway. And I think he went out pretty, pretty decently and pretty respectfully. I mean, he was a hologram during that Kylo Ren saber fight, sure, but it, it pretty much showed that he would have beat him physically if he wanted to. Like it, it respected the character before it killed him off. Po- probably in the minority of people who Listen to this show and, of course, work on this show, but I did not mind Last Jedi, and I did not think it took a dump on Star Wars, figuratively speaking.
1: I think that's all it did. I think the whole Of course point, that's what the, you think. The whole You also did...
0: didn't like Infinity War. That's true. We're
1: not talking about Infinity War. We're talking about Star Wars. And Star Wars... And I do agree with a couple points that, you know, the other movies are kind of, you know, rinse, repeat and whatnot, but this one... Last Jedi was out there to go, you people are stupid, and no. it, it, it's not that he was trying something different. Johnson went out of his way. I don't think he was trying really
0: anything different at all. It still felt like Star Wars.
1: He went out of his way to piss on everything you loved about the previous films. Every character you loved, he's like, I'm going to knock them down and urinate on them and set them on fire. Last not Jedi really. was a, fuck you,
0: and fuck your fandom film i honestly think star wars in general i mean they're enjoyable but they're not like a sacred cow these are films that were made on the basis of george lucas wanting to make a flash gordon film i mean not i mean there's a lot of things that aren't high art but star wars especially has has not and never has been high art it's always been George Lucas ripping off something to a blatant degree. And it kind of accidentally became this mega franchise thing. So I'm, I'm in there just to enjoy things blowing up and laser swords and this, this whole idea that the Jedi's are samurai and the, not, uh, the friggin' empire Nazis. It's, it's very much a simplistic thing. And as, as long as the characters they're introducing into the franchise are interesting to some degree, and the action sequences are nice, then sure, I'm in. Uh, But I've never been this, like, fucking Star Wars geek because I I don't see the point of it. I don't see what's what's so inherently untouchable and special about these uh, laser sword movies besides being, like, popcorn fare.
1: I don't think they're untouchable, but... Fred, where do you fall on this? Are you with me or are you with (sighs) Peter? Because Peter and I seem to be as far apart on this movie as we possibly could be.
2: Well, I don't think it's being on either side. I mean, I can only tell you again my own personal point of view. Uh, I'll agree with Pitar on one point for sure. I don't think Ryan was trying to actively crap on the past. Whether or not he did, that's up to each individual person. (laughs) Mm. I I think that has to be rated by you, an individual, looking at what you love and you don't love. I will say, though, I don't like the movie. I've made this kind of clear with everyone I know that I didn't like it. I Mm. personally believe the problem lies With the script, it started with the script, in all honesty. It's not always just about the story you want to tell, but how more how you execute
1: that story. Oh, the script is Uh, so poorly written. I was shocked. It felt like a first draft was put on screen, you know?
2: Well, it's it structurally has a lot of issues. And when you look at how things are built up from a structural point of view, and I don't want to go, this this could be an episode unto itself, so I have to, forgive me, I'm trying to choose my words carefully here, and I'm trying to make it more concise. There are structural issues with how everything is developed. Much of the point of this story is a long chase scene, everybody's trying to get to the ship board because they have to do a particular thing so the other ship can get away and i could go into that whole thing and i have a lot of problems with it structurally i don't like the way it executes the characters i don't like the way it sets up many of the situations it seems like it builds something up just to knock it down it builds up finn to knock him down it builds up poe to knock him down Luke's more inconsequential. The whole thing with Rey and Luke really don't do much at all. If you really look at the structure of the story, the payoff with Luke is unsatisfying. Did it piss on the memory of Luke Skywalker? No, I don't believe it did that. I I kind of wish they would have done more with it, if you want my honest opinion, and a lot of fans may not like my view on that. I wish Luke had been training Kylo what if Luke's own rage about things that were happening around them was transferred onto Kylo through his teachings? What if inadvertently Luke Skywalker created Kylo Ren and thus had to, felt he had to destroy him, which would of course be that moment we saw, you know, where Kylo runs away. He defends himself and runs away. To me, that would have been more compelling and a repentant Luke is hiding away because He recognizes the darkness that is in his own soul, perhaps Mm. reminiscent of his own father. So I would have taken it even further. I would have gone even more because it is interesting to have conflict. And sometimes you have to challenge notions. And that includes our heroes. How many times have you loved someone just to find out, oh, gosh, they've been diddling their 12-year-old for the last umpteen years and no one knew it? And then you're like, oh, my gosh, this person I admired is a monster. Why can't Luke Skywalker fall a bit from grace? You know, you could build him back up, but that's the whole point of having an arc. I just feel that the story that was presented was kind of weak. I feel that the way it played out, I don't
0: it could know. could have been better.
2: Itself. Yes, it could have been better. And I mean,
0: there was uh, there's a lot that I had problems with, of course, like that. The whole casino planet thing, I feel oh, like, could have been nixed from the start because it went nowhere.
1: That whole casino planet was solely there to give Finn and Rose something to do in this story.
0: Even though Rose is the most like unlikable character in the entire Star Wars franchise.
1: One of the problems with this movie, leaving the, the themes and whatnot that we were talking about out, is that script. It is so poorly thought out. I love how as soon as that movie came out, even positive reviews were like, Why didn't they just do this, this, or this, which are the three most logical things? The entirety Mm. of this script only moves forward because the characters make the dumbest possible choice of all possible choices again and again and again and again. That's not good storytelling. Well, let me say, let me interject something real quickly here. I I, I I knock
2: Ryan down to only come back to defend him a little, but I will give the man at least some leeway because they were already in production on the first movie and JJ Abrams begged for another year. He said, "Please give me another year to develop this." Disney said, "No, we have a set date." So, boom, he was forced into it and then he said, "Well, then I'm backing away." So they bring in Ryan Johnson while they're still doing The Force Awakens and says, "Here, we don't have a, a, a an arc because JJ's not going to continue. Here, Take it and, you know, you do something with it. So he's working off of what's already written and being made to create another movie. He only has a certain amount of time to do it. And come on, man, he's carrying an entire legacy, 40-year-old property on his back. He has a short amount of time to create the next chapter in a great legacy. I'm not going to hate on the man because he failed. Okay, in my opinion, by the way. I believe it failed. I'm not gonna hate on the man because he failed at such a you know Herculean task. I, I don't think I would have done it. I would have done certain things differently, certainly. We all would have. I can't necessarily just point the gun at him and execute him for like to compare since I brought up Paul Feig earlier, it's not the same scenario.
0: No, it really isn't. Lots of time.
2: Paul had lots of time to do what he did. This guy was literally like Disney, pointing a gun at his head and said, "Are you done? Are you done? Are you done?"
1: Except, except, it's not the same. Except in the case of Johnson, it would have taken an extra ten seconds. To think of a better solution, like
0: l- l- let's just—we're ah, like,
2: saying that looking back. That's no, I fair. mean even I a, that's fair. Th-
1: there's no way at all. The right, time... I'm
0: going to stop because this is turning into nerd rage, and I'm also okay. going to point out that this is from a franchise in the original that had Return of the Jedi, which everybody hates. The first half they of Return of the, the Jedi is good. always had problems. The first half's good. No, it isn't. Nothing is good about Return of the Jedi. No, oh, I'm going to do it. Okay, about hold movie. on, Bitar, Wait
2: a second. I here. think you just <laughs> called
0: up the nerd rage.
2: Oh, oh, no. Oh, no, you don't. I will call up the nerd rage. <laughs>
0: just, just tell me one thing that's good about Return of the Jedi. Most of that movie is an Ewok battle. Ewoks destroying big robots, really? No. Well, I don't I, think so. I,
2: I, I'm not a big Ewok fan. I'm not going to disagree, but there's actually some very good. I think the Java sequence is very good. I do feel the confrontation between Vader. The last lightsaber
0: battle, I will give credit to. That's there. You go. Ha ha! You
2: even gave me my one, son. Suck on that. Okay,
0: that's all you get. That's all. And the only leeway I'm giving for that movie is the final conflict. That's it.
2: For us, I think we have to be as fair as we can looking at this generation. What is this generation's Star Wars going to get from this? And I I think that's an important point of view we can't disregard. We have to be cautious. We're
0: the older guard. We've had our day.
2: We had our time. We had our heroes. And, and by the way, we still have I mind our day new and ones. our heroes. We still have
0: our movies to watch. Like you can still go back yes. and watch something if you don't like what's coming out now. It's just same thing with music. Same thing with TV shows. Yeah.
2: I And that's what I'm saying. I don't disagree. And these films are being made for a newer generation. I don't think we can discount that entirely either. Although mm. many from this generation didn't care for this one, but many did like it. And, you know, sometimes I think we have to let go.
0: It's, it's really difficult when you're making something that was a franchise 30 plus years ago, and you're not only trying to appease that audience and make something that that they're going to enjoy, but you're also trying to make something for this audience. It's it's uh-huh. a challenging task. It's not always going to work. It's not always going to be for everybody, but someone someone might enjoy it.
1: Why then? And this happens more with with horror movies than sci fi or cyberpunk or even action films. Why? do fans seem to want the same movie over and over and over again? We talked about when they try to do something different and it doesn't work. Why do you want the same thing? Like, we're going to be doing a Wishmaster retrospective in the next week or two. All four of those movies are the same thing. A basic white girl finds the gem, calls up the jinn, doesn't know what she's getting into, things happen, she tricks the jinn. That happens for four movies. They they literally, I in many cases for these movies, I think they took the same script and just changed acts one and three. Why do fans want the same thing over and over and over and over and over again?
0: I guess just safety, knowing you're always gonna get the same same outcome. It's just a safety thing.
1: A comfort
2: food, not unlike what the just said. When you go to Pizza Hut, if you like Pizza Hut, you hope your pizza is as good as the last one. But it's the same. Uh, I think it's just comfort food. You go to see every movie that year, most of them disappoint you. Oh, here's another in this franchise I enjoy. I'll at least get this, that, and the other thing. I think that's it. It's, it's a, it's a simple thing. You know, they want something when they spend their, you know, well now how much is an average movie ticket for crying out loud? I mean, they're very expensive.
0: Here and- it's like 12, 12, 13 bucks.
2: Yeah, that's about average and that's a lot of money to, to spend on movies and you hope to at least get something out of it. So I don't think that's ever changed, honestly. I think that's been the same thing for years. You, you, you go to something because you like it, I, you know, initially you hope to get that same rise out of
0: it. Yeah. Well, it's the same reason why something like Infinity War or the Star Wars movies and all, all these sequels to big franchises are, are making a lot more money than like, uh, a smaller, more humble film coming out—that's like the, the well, not necessarily the first of its kind. I mean, something like *A Quiet Place* is not the first time they've ever made a horror movie where monsters are under the ground, but it's still sort of its own thing. Not as many people know about it. It's got it's got actors that aren't super well known, more more or less from the the TV the TV realm. And you're going to have a lot more people going to see *Infinity War* or going to see *Deadpool 2* or going to see *Solo* than. Um, a lot of the movies that are a little more modest. uh And I know Super Troopers 2 is a sequel, but it's likely... It's likely not going to have, have the same returns as a lot of these other like mega blockbuster franchise sequel things. And it's exactly for the thing that we're talking about, the comfort the comfort food of movies. I'm going to go see the thing that I know that I'm probably going to like. And I don't necessarily agree with that mindset at all. I think you should give other things a chance, especially if you, I think if you think anything looks interesting, go see it. Like I think if you see a trailer for something or a poster grabs you in a certain way, you see something advertised in a way that you find interesting, for God's sake go see that movie and help it make money like like this is what happened with with films like you're next where word of mouth spread from like a few people that it was shit so nobody went to go see it, and then a lot of people caught it on digital download or bought the DVD and were like, "Wow, this is actually good. I wish I went to go see this in theaters." Yeah, you probably should have. This is what people need to start doing because maybe the only movies that that are making money won't be just the the, the mega franchises that are owned by by Disney and and uh, Marvel and Fox and all this stuff.
1: What about when the ultimate comfort food franchises, the ones that are into you know? 20-plus movies like James Bond and Godzilla. Why have those lasted so long? I'm not a big Bond fan, so Fred can speak to that, but like the Godzilla films, they kept trying to do things different. Stupid and they were terrible, you know, they also, in a weird way, the Godzilla films are an exemplar of everything we're talking about and not. Every one of the films is a wash, rinse, repeat of the same formula, but they tried such batshit things in them, you could see them trying to go different at the same time trying to be the same.
0: Well, every every generation of Godzilla is, is different, too. Like, every yeah. new era that it would step into, they Toho would try something different with not only... The scripts and the the characters, but the overall, like, tone of the movie, too, which I always thought was pretty interesting.
1: Right. And then, Fred, I know you're a huge James Bond fan. They're, what, at 28 Uh movies Maybe something, <laughs> or, or or am I low on that? No, I think the next one is twenty eight.
2: Okay, think oh, wow. I, I'd have to. It depends, and also depends if, you, if people count "Never Say Never Again," you know, and things like that, but because it's not official. Well, th- this one's a little trickier, but the the simple answer is, first of all, in both cases, you see film series that adapted to their times. I think that that's an important note. You know, when Doctor No came out, it was really. The first of its kind. I mean, I'm not saying they never did a spy movie, but they never did a spy movie like that. As, uh, Patar said about Star Wars, for instance, it, you know, it's not high art. It was never intended to be high art. Even when Ian Fleming wrote the books, he knew exactly what he was writing. It wasn't like he was unaware. James Bond is in many ways the same way Superman is in comic books. He's a power fantasy. OK, he's, uh, you know, even for Ian Fleming, Ian Fleming was in on her. You know, he was in Her Majesty's Secret Service. He was an agent, but he didn't get to do the kind of things young boys always hear about when you're a spy. And so he created a character that he himself was living through on the type of adventures he himself wishes he had gone through. And therefore, I think that's why that works. It's a power fantasy appeals to people it appeals to people on a very basic level i don't know about you two guys but i've never traveled to europe and betted exotic women and punched everybody from you know nazis to megalomaniacs you just fascist. make
1: assumptions about me
2: uh, And I I think that that's what it comes down to. I mean, the films work on such a basic level that it's really quite genius if you think about it. I mean, it embodies travel, it embodies romance, it embodies adventure. So why wouldn't that be successful? It would take a moron to screw that up. Mm -hmm. And a few times they did. That's because they do try to adapt to their times. James Bond was in a splatation film. James Bond was in a Star Wars film. James Bond was in an Indiana Jones type adventure that was Octopussy. He's changed with the times, and that's allowed him to stay relevant or at least to stick around. And then that allowed for it to come back full circle and go back to being dark again because – the time period allowed for it. I mean, they tried it with Timothy Dalton. It didn't work, which is a shame. I love the Timothy Dalton films.
0: Yeah, those are my favorite.
2: Yeah, same here. The audiences weren't ready. So, reboot, we got what I think was one of, personally, the lower points of the franchise history. Not without a couple, you know, decent ones, but still, not the high point for Bond till it hits Casino Royale, and then now we're in a Born Identity world. So, Out with the gadgets, in with Parkour Bond. (laughs) It it just adapted with its time. Godzilla was a little easier. Japan didn't have the kind of cultural identity we had. For them to have a franchise at all like that was kind of unique. Godzilla ended up appealing to somebody no one expected. Children. When you ask, why did they get so weird? Because they started aiming more at children. They turned Godzilla into a hero. The children loved it, and they dragged their parents to see it, and the movies made Mm -hmm. tons and tons of money. It merely adapted to its time. By the time the 80s rolled around, it was time for a new era. They were allowed to go back to the darker period uh, of the kaiju, and so... That's it. That's the simple answer. Adaptation, Adapt and survive. And both of those did. But they're also open enough to allow for fun. I mean,
1: you know, it's fun to watch giant monsters punch each other. It just is. It is. I, I can't deny that. I guess then the final word or the final thought would be, what do you guys think about a long-running franchise? Should they stick into the wash-repeat phase or should they try to do something different because as we've seen both of those have their downsides is the fact that a franchise is a franchise a deterrent right off the bat
0: you should at least try to expand on certain things you don't necessarily have to do the exact same thing all the time and you don't necessarily need to flip the genre on its head all the time but try to add some new elements here and there
2: I, I, I think the answer is the one none of us want to hear because I agree with Vitar. I'd like to see more change. I'd like to see more adventure. We're people that used to go on the hunt. We look for weird little movies. We want to find something different. We want to find something unusual. Uh The simple fact of the matter is, is that most people don't. They work a 9-to-5 job. They want to come home or go to the movie theaters and just enjoy it. That's it. They're not invested. They don't really care. They just want an hour and a half or two hours of entertainment. I I don't think it's a matter of what we want. I think certain franchises are always going to be lather, rinse, repeat. That's never going to go away, whereas others are going to occasionally experiment. They're going to try something new. I think that the cycle will just continue, and
1: sadly, that's it. Some people would say, we do that here. We both try things new and lather, rinse, repeat, and sometimes we fail at both. So,
0: you gotta have a balance.
1: Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, where can we find Peter if people would like to contact him?
0: You will find me rushing out the door uh, for work in a few minutes here. Um, and <laughs> on, on Twitter, you should have up on time. Then. On on YouTube, the Cinematicus. Facebook, the Cinematicus. Uh, on twelve hundred one beyondcom and on Patreon at Cinematica. Give me your money. Give me your money. Give me your money.
1: And Fred, now. where? <laughs> and Fred, where can people find you? uh still a movie apocalypse on facebook not much activity but keep your
2: eye open i'm always trying to get something off the ground
1: and you can find me at 1201beyond.com you can contact this show at 1201beyond at gmail.com guys try to be a cut above keep one foot in the gutter one fist in the gold have a good night
0: Have you already examined him? Yeah, I made one or two notes.
2: In my opinion, the death of the poor bastard was caused by massive hemorrhage due to a huge laceration of the juggler. Mm.
1: Radio Drum is a 1201 Beyond
0: production. Find it and other great content at 1201beyond.com.